Hey guys, welcome to the Virtus Performance Podcast. Today, I was lucky enough to sit down with two of my least favourite humans. <laughs> wow. What? Anna Jansen and Fit with Georgie. <laughs> we spoke about what they do for work. Anna is a paramedic and Georgie is a nurse. We spoke about yoga uh, and how our chakras are currently being aligned because the universe says so or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we spoke about lots of cool stuff. Uh, we spoke about social media and how it has a negative, can have a negative effect, but we look to have a positive effect on all of our lives. Uh, and Anna also sang a song, so I'm going to stop this intro short so that we can listen to that. I didn't sing a song. Enjoy. Then a hurricane came, devastation reigned. A man saw his future drip, dripping down the drain. Put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain. And he wrote his first refrain. Testament to his pain. And the world got around and said, this kid is insane. And he took a book collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education, don't forget from where you came. And on that note, we're ready. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. Georgie, Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. So, first question for you guys. What gets you out of bed in the morning? I'm normally pretty hungry. Or afternoon, depending on which shift you have. (laughs) Yeah. I'm normally pretty hungry when I wake up. So, food, coffee, starting a new day. Good. Yeah, breakfast for me. Otherwise, I would stay in bed all day. (laughs) Food. (laughs) Good. Very, very good. Tell me, Georgie, tell me about your journey. Well, and that is the most ambiguous question ever, <laughs> but talk to me. Uh, oh, where do we begin? Um, what, what kind of journey are we talking about? My Just life, my, growing up, my life journey. getting into, into nursing and yoga and, and, yeah, everything. Oh, okay. Well, we can, well, the first thing that would pop into my mind would be a lot of people ask me why I want to, like, why I'm a nurse or why, like, how I got into that job. Um, and my simple answer has always been that I just want to help people, um, help people feel better. Um, and it sounds kind of corny. Lots of people laugh when I say that. And they're like, oh, but deep down that's, like, the, the, the main drive. I, I like wanna... it. And it's good that you're aware of that. that's your why. That's why you do it. Yeah. And without realising, like, retrospectively I can look back now, but um, I didn't realise at the time, I guess my... I've always known that I just want to be able to use myself to yeah to help other people and to to facilitate them with their lives. So yeah, nursing was a great awesome. choice. Were you always going to be a nurse, or was it was um, it helping people and then it moved into nursing when you realised? Yeah, um, I was stumbled across sort of my this, the course I studied nursing and paramedics. I stumbled across that when I was probably in year eleven. <laughs> so all the way up until then, I didn't really know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, came across that course and I thought that sounds really cool. I want to drive an ambulance. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, then what that's we what are, I did. Ambulance drivers. <laughs> Speaking of driving an ambulance, Anna, how did you get into paramedics? Um, I actually wanted to do medicine. Um, but you weren't I wanted enough. to work 
as I was told I wasn't smart enough, essentially. <laughs> no, seriously. I still owe um, you 50 bucks, actually. You do, because I got a higher enter score than you. True, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, <laughs> add that to my, no, my pay. Um, I actually really did want to do medicine. Um, in school, when I was sort of, yeah, approaching year 11, year 12, I spoke, one of my motivating teachers said to me, look, you should be aiming quite high. You should be, you know, don't set any limits for yourself. Whatever you want to do, you should aim for that and you'll get there. And I thought, okay, cool. I'll talk to the careers teacher and go, all right, I think I want to do medicine, not paramedics. And she said, oh, look, I probably wouldn't aim that high. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thanks. And so I didn't get sort of told about any pathways. I had no idea about pathways into it through biomed, et cetera. So I went, oh, okay, cool. Um, so I and that was it. <laughs> so dream shattered. Dream away. shattered. Um, I did want to do. There was part of me that did want to do paramedics um, after seeing them help family, and I thought actually that'd be pretty cool rather than being in a hospital all day every day. But not um, there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. I love our nurses. Couldn't do it. Um, but yes, applied for paramedics. I think I only applied for Peninsula because I decided I wasn't going to drive to St Albans or anywhere else. That's um, fair. So I applied for paramedics. And all my other preference was for outdoor ed teaching, actually. Um, motivated by that same outdoor ed teacher. Cool. And then, yeah, awesome. got into paramedics and loved it since, pretty much. Super cool. Mm. That's really, really cool. Where did you go to uni, Georgie? Uh, Frankston Monash, I think, same as you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. How'd you two meet? <laughs> well, that's a funny story. <laughs> Where should we start? Um, no, I was a, um, a final year. I was on my final year nursing placement and I was in emergency and I was on night duty. It was the first time I've ever done night duty and it was like 3am and I was this fourth year student with attitude, like walking around, <laughs> cracking the shits because I'm here at night, bloody not getting paid or anything. And I was just grumpy as... And this paramedic walked in and this girl kept staring at me in the hallway. <laughs> and I was like, quit it. And I was just not in the mood. It was 3 a.m. I was like, why is this girl staring at me? What is she doing? And I just kept eyeballing her and she kept looking at me. And I was like, what is going on? And at the end she came up and she goes, I just want to let you know, um, I follow your Instagram and I started yoga because I follow your Instagram and I like, I follow Good. you. And I was like, what the hell? And yeah, we've been friends since. For those playing at home, Anna is bright red at the moment. No, that's... Slightly embarrassed. No. That's like, good. Um, that's how yeah, it basically yeah. stalked, basically stalked me. And, um, I think I said to my partner, so I got fangirled really... fangirled into, pr- into friendship. I fangirled hard. Um, I think I had said to my partner I was working with that month, I said, oh, my God, that, that's fit with Georgie. And she's like, who? And I said, fit, fit with Georgie. And I showed, so we were going through her Instagram while we were standing there at hospital. And See? I'm like, it's, it's her. Like, she's, I, I, I love her. I want to meet her. I want to be a friend. I want to force my way into her life. And um, I thought, look, I've got the advantage of having the paramedic card. Like I'm not just some like random person. Like I'm like, oh, maybe she'll want to want a bit of me, you know, because she she's doing paramedics. So um, I'm like, all right, I'll play that card. And yeah, just didn't realize I was staring at her the whole time. And I was like nervous to go up and talk to her because I'm like, oh, she seems so nice, but it could all be fake. I'm surprised you actually approached me because I probably was being a massive bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> they say you shouldn't have met your heroes, but are you happy yeah. you did? Oh, so happy. I wouldn't say I'm your hero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just your everyday girl. <laughs> yes, but anyway, I um, I worked my way in very, very well. So. Was the goal to do a podcast a couple of years down the track together? We actually spoke yeah. about that at 3am. When the with our chakras alive. Yeah, we, we well, that's how I knew I could yeah. go up to her because I just sensed that her third eye was going to be in line with mine. And from there, 
Let's start it. Stop it. <laughs> it was probably a full moon as well. It was a full Not moon. Not a thing. I remember. And we charged our crystals be- both before going to work. That's how I knew that I could um, really, mm. really approach her. So there's been significant amount of study on <laughs> whether the moon affects behaviour and the overwhelming scientific community, and I'm sure you can both enjoy this because you're in the field. There's no correlation between full moons and crazy people. Every paramedic will disagree with that. Yes, apparently 80%, 80% of emergency personnel believe there is something. 40% of the general population. I've done my research. But there is no correlation, so I'm sorry. The moon does not make make people crazy. It's a cognitive bias. Jeez, there's some angry looks I'm getting at the moment. I have no comment. <laughs> Moving on, Georgie. Fit with Georgie. Yes. How'd that all start? And I guess that's probably your alter ego now. Or one of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, it's just me. Um, it's just you? Good. No, so Fit with Georgie started off as like... Well, my, my online, my social media side started off as a different account, actually. I started a fitness account um, when I first discovered yoga. So I went through a stage of um, between finishing high school and going through uni where I sort of stopped all my formal exercise and I didn't really do much. I was not very healthy and I was like, you know, just your regular kind of teenager. Yeah. Um, and I realised I wasn't like very happy and I wasn't really, I wasn't really living the way I wanted to live. Um, and then I discovered yoga just online, scrolling through social media and I was like, oh my God. So I started doing a bit of yoga at home, um, loved it. And I was like, I'm going to take pictures of my yoga. (laughs) And so then I created a social media account so I could post those photos without annoying all my regular friends with photos of me doing handstands and, you know, on all different places. Yeah. Um, and pretty soon after I started that Instagram, I don't know, people started asking me questions and I would answer, um, and it kind of snowballed from there. And what started off as a yoga account for me to post my own pictures soon became a platform for me to be able to use myself as a tool to help people. Um, was that the goal from the start or was it just to... No, no, literally. I never... I don't think anyone starts... A, or I never started my social media with the idea to become successful or, fa- or famous, you know, or anything like that with it um and i think if you did you'd be starting for the wrong intentions i started it just for myself um and yeah it's what developed like what started off as yeah a little account where i could just post my own pictures of me and sort of track my progress um (laughs) you know follow my journey Um, progress post yeah progress flashback friday um no it then turned into yeah a platform where i was able to reach people all over the world and share my experience, my knowledge of what I already knew and what I was learning to help other people. And I love, like, as I said, that's what I love doing. So it was just another opportunity for what's, me to reach out. What's, what's that like, I guess, having the responsibility, for lack of a better word, to all your followers and all the people that that look at you for inspiration and motivation and, um, and I guess you've got a fan in the room with Anna <laughs> what's it like having those, those kind of people following you and, and the I guess the need or the want to satisfy them daily or weekly or however often you post I find it really empowering to know that to know that I can oh, I have the potential to reach people all over the world literally um, at just like the touch of a button I think that's awesome yeah um, but what did you say to the responsibility to yeah well, how, how do you how do you how do you deal with, I guess, having that 
I guess there that little that world there mm. inside your phone all the time. Yeah, it's I guess that's social media for you. It can it's tough. Yeah. Um, it's a tough. You you got to find the right balance and for what works with you. Um, my rule with social media has always been that when I do things, I'll do them for myself and I happen to share it online. I never do something for the sake of posting it or for the sake of putting it online or looking cool because it's online. Um, And so I think that's one thing that people really relate to me for and why they enjoy my account is because I do just show my everyday stuff and I'm nothing special. I'm not a fitness model or I'm not – I don't work in the fitness industry. I'm just – your everyday shift worker um, yeah. who shares her fitness side as well. So, yeah, it's I never do stuff with the idea of trying to be someone or show something that I'm not. You're just doing you. Yeah, yeah. you do you. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Anna, from the other side? What's it like having people like Georgie that are just regular people in a similar profession to you to follow and kind of look up to? Yeah, I think I related to Georgie because of her... Um, you know, doing nursing, doing paramedics, and I thought, well, you know, once she finishes uni and starts in that field, we're going to be on a sort of similar sort of pathway of, you know, shift work, yoga, Um, and I thought there's going to be a lot of, like, everything she was posting I could relate to essentially because, like she said, it's just sort of that relatable everyday stuff. There was, I think pretty much from the start, I didn't see some sort of big glossy filter over her life. I'm like, oh, this is pretty real, and I think there's probably been a little bit more change with that more so in the last sort of few months or six months where you've even, I think, focused on that a lot more. Mm. Um, so for me, I look for that if I am, you know, for people that I do follow on social, social media, um, yeah. that's something I can relate to a lot more. Mm. But, you know, when I first started following Georgie, I was like, oh, my God, that's a really cool photo <laughs> of her doing this handstand or, or whatever, and I just... For me, I thought, oh, okay, that that's yoga. That looks that looks cool. Like, yeah. I'd like to try and do that. Mm. Um, and thought, oh, it sounds like there's some benefit for you know um, shift work and that sort of relaxation meditation thing. So I thought, oh, I'll try this yoga and I'll be able to do what Georgie can <laughs> yeah. do. And then I'd be trying to do this pose. I'm like, why can't my hand <laughs> reach that? Like, so part of me, I was like, oh, what she's doing is a little bit inaccessible for me. But it made me want to, you know, start on a journey where I could, you know, have that sort of progression, but yeah. for myself, you know. Awesome. So, yeah. You had a little head start, though, with movements and, and oh, body control. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's why I have, was able to build the platform that I have is because, yeah, yeah I, so I used to be a gymnast and a gymnastics coach. Um, and so people would look at me and say like, oh, you only started yoga six months ago. Like, how are you already so good? So A lot of maybe, transferable skills. Yeah, yeah. So it probably looked like I'd done a lot of progress in a short amount of time. But, um, yeah, I was lucky in that with that regard. And then I also, with my knowledge from gymnastics, I was able to understand like what goes into a yoga pose and how mm-hmm. to break it down. And then when people would ask questions, I had advice and I had like a, a sound knowledge base of mm. what to share and how to help people yeah. with that. What was your, what was the draw of yoga? Why yoga? Why yoga? Um, ooh, so one of the main things for me, like I missed my gymnastics. I loved like the strength and the flexibility, the handstands, the balancing, um, the just in general, like training your body and like disciplining it to be able to, to do, um, to do these kind of things. But what I loved about yoga that is completely different to gymnastics is that yoga is not a competition mm. and that you're not losing, you know, you're not, you're not getting judged and you're not losing points and, you know, there's 
you're not, you know, getting a score out of 10 if you've got pointed toes versus flexed toes or, yeah, there's no medal at the end um, and it is all focused around you. I remember you saying that when I designed that gymnast class for yeah. my teacher training yeah, and you yeah. said there's no, there's no um, points taken off for, you know, if your toes aren't pointed or, yeah. you know, it was that sort of resonated with me that that's why you know you as coming from a sort of elite athlete background Mm. had found that and that's why you know you really enjoyed it so for me everything yeah as a gymnast everything was always competition and it was always with the idea to win um Mm. to come out the best on top and then to improve every single day whereas with yoga like some days you know I can you know get my foot to touch my head and some days I can't and that's you know it doesn't matter it's probably it's probably pretty humbling and like Mm. and that's Four weeks deep into yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Going strong. Yeah. I'm yeah. proud of you. My favourite yeah. yogi. I'm gonna, yeah. So, I'm, like, I'm thoroughly enjoying it and it's it's humbling to be able to do something one day and then to kind of be Last put back night, in. for example. Yeah, to put back into your place the next week when you just can't move the same way because mm, yeah. you've done something different that day. You've been sitting down or you haven't been moving as much. And, yeah, that ability to, for me, get, like, one of the things that Anna said that, Last last night or the night before, last week while you were teaching was, it's just what it's just you and the four corners of your mat. Yeah. And way too spiritual for me, but I really enjoyed it because it was something that kind of like resonated straight away. I was just like, cool. I don't have to worry about any of the other stuff going on. Mm. And I tend to burden myself with a lot more things to think about than I probably should sometimes. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that with your work, you guys work in a second. But yeah, that was, that was that's something that really resonated with me, and I I can see why so many people love yoga because mm. it's just it's just you like, and the mat and especially in terms of social media and like the online world i think what draws people in initially is like the aesthetics and yeah. you see like you know perhaps like skinny girls in little crop tops doing like amazing things um and that's what draws a lot of us in but what and that's what drew me in as well i'll yep. admit um but what i soon discovered was like mm. the the mental and the spiritual benefits of yoga as well and whether you believe in that kind of stuff mm. or not um even just attending a class you still come out yeah. with a different mind frame or you'll be able to glean little things that you know resonate with you that's it you just take what re- is take relevant what you to you you take yeah. what you need and you can leave the yeah. rest behind so it you don't matter. have to it's not about religion or praying to a god or anything like that um yeah the the mental side of it is what sort of kept me going is mm. what it's been like the the main focus of my journey my journey lately you know <laughs> that's something that yeah it comes over years and years and you'll always develop with that yeah what I guess from a social media point of view that like Instagram is created to to be that perfect snapshot of your world and your life and I guess we're, we're all on it we all use it like I use it for work and I use a personal one and, and you both use it for, for both those things how can we going forward as a society big <clears throat> question how do we turn it into more of a positive than a negative because obviously there's connotations both ways but how can we and how can we change it and what can we do to make it more of a positive thing i think what georgie said about not posting something for the sake of or not doing something for the sake of posting something so the way that i look at it when i upload and like i'm you know as a yoga teacher and sort of using it as a platform to sort of um, I guess gain exposure and sort of say look this is what I'm offering this is where I'm living and to sort of gain a platform to teach at other studios etc but I think when I 
post something or when I do something, I go, would I do this if I couldn't take a photo of it? If I couldn't put it on my story, if I couldn't put it on social media, would I still be practicing yoga? Would I still be sitting and meditating? Would I still be just sitting and being? Or, you know, that's for me an important thing. And as long as I keep doing that, then then I'm happy. Um, but I think that's not something that's necessarily done in the social media world. And that's what I respect Georgie for because I truly believe that that's what what she does yeah so. for me I guess one thing about social media is um is the idea like, keeping in mind is that it's it is what you want to make of it mm-hmm. so some of us use it for leisure some of us use it for business some of us use it for both you know, stalking young students at hospital <laughs> you make me sound like a predator <laughs> but do you know what I mean like, yeah it is what you make of it and how you want to use it is completely up to you and how you interpret it but um I mean even even myself like I know I have a lot of people that look up to me as inspiration and I myself have people that I look up to for inspiration yeah and the main thing for me it's very easy to get caught up in Mm -hmm. with social media and as you said a lot of people just post their highlight reels and you know we all know that now it's no secret that people only want to show their best on social media most of the time um but for me it is always about not comparing myself um and especially um making or being able to differentiate between is this person posting this for work? I mean, and like for business, like are they doing it to make a gain? Yeah. You know, are they being paid for this or, you know, all of this? Or is this just them doing it because they want to? Kind yeah, of thing? and so, trying to figure out motives is kind of a tough one because yeah. like everyone's going to do things for different reasons and have a different view on why they've done something. Mm. Um, and it's really easy to be super negative against everyone that posts all these different things because <laughs> like that's your opinion of what's happening and that's what you feel as though what's happening so mm. yeah I think if we can stop judging and, and comparing that's kind of the big one one of my favourite quotes is comparison is a thief of joy mm. I think as soon as we start comparing ourselves to what we see in the mm. highlight reel like you said and we start to yes yeah, and we start to look at that for all of our inspiration then we start to kind of fall in a hole and we go well this isn't helping anyone and it's just and it kind of creates that that vicious like negative feedback Mm. where we're we look for it for validation and and things like that and then it yeah it just spirals out of control Mm. Um, but it's one of those things that uh, I'm a big believer that it's like it's not going anywhere so it's we've got to figure out as a as a yeah how to use it for good good with great power comes great responsibility but just realizing as well as like the people that you look up to and recognizing that you're like two completely different people um and i'm guilty of look like the girls that i you know the other accounts that i look up to um a lot of them are like fitness models or you know professional athletes and things like that and i get down because i compare myself to myself to them yeah and then i stop and realize like wait a minute like i'm a full-time nurse why am I comparing myself to this girl who is paid to be a fitness model or paid mm. to be an, yeah. an athlete? Like, we're, we are two completely different people. So there's, yeah, there's, I shouldn't be comparing myself to them. Have you always been able to kind of check yourself and, and say, no, nah, I, I don't need to compare myself to these girls or is it something that you're getting better at? I think it takes practice. Yeah. I think, um, I think uh, you still do it. Like, yeah. Not you personally, but I think it's something that a lot of us still yeah. still do and you pull yourself up on because you're going yeah. on yeah. reality check. Or when yeah. we look at something that we admire online, it often makes us think about what we therefore lack. Mm. You know, so it's, yeah, it takes practice and conscious effort to 
yeah, to keep keep yourself in, in line of what you're doing and mm. understanding that you're a different person. It's the awareness of yeah. this is an issue or this is something that I'm not great at. How do I get better? Yeah. But we also have complete control over what we want to see on social media as well. So that is yeah. on, on who we want to follow. Like I can choose to go, all right, that's not something that resonates with me or yeah. for whatever reason I'm looking at this account and they might be incredible but it's making me feel, you know. Click that unfollow button. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I don't I don't need this. Um, and the same as, you know, wanting people to follow you. It's like, well, at the end of the day, I don't care who follows my account because if someone's just on my account so that they can go leave some weird random emoji <laughs> and be like, DM me for this. I'm like, I, I would rather have yeah. one follower that I can actually, that connects to what I, yeah. you know, the message I'm sending or, you know, that goes, oh, yeah, when are your classes here? I'll follow you. Yeah. Then have, you know, 100,000 people who basically couldn't care less what I'm posting but just think, yeah. oh, yeah, that's pretty, that's nice. Yeah, and I guess all followers probably aren't created equal. you got a lot of people that are, like, follow people to bitch and whinge and, <laughs> and kind of throw that negativity at it where mm. a lot of people are genuinely looking for that motivation, that mm. inspiration, the, yeah. the positivity that comes out of it, and I guess, mm. yeah, it would be good. It would be a nice world if... We all did it for the right reasons. Mm. But, yeah, that's really cool. But all, we, all, all you guys can do, I think, is just one post at a time, try and s- share the message you want to share and we go from yeah. there. And share, like, I guess, yeah, as I said, I never do things for the sake of social media. So there'll be days where I won't post at all for days and days and days um, because one of my, my one of my key focuses is always, like, what am I putting out and why? And I'll never put something out just for the sake of I need validation or I want someone to look at my body or, you know, I feel like I need someone to tell me how good I am today. Like my whatever I put out is always for a purpose and it has a reason and something meaningful to me. It's not just for the sake of, yeah, needing needing this social media validation. Because needing someone can, to come stalk you at hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah you I'm, have that. I'm <laughs> waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting for um, a very wealthy surgeon to stalk me um, and then I will accept that um, mm-hmm. so yeah just that'll happen one day <laughs> that's what I was missing right. just put it out to the world and it'll come yeah manifest it write <laughs> <laughs> it in your um, October intention yeah I will actually yeah meet okay. surgeon <laughs> Anna how'd you get into teaching and why did you start teaching rather than just practicing um, I think when I first started yoga I thought it was um, more, you know, purely physical and I thought, you know, physical bit of relaxation, that's going to be amazing for my shift work it's, you know, I wasn't practicing any sort of physical activity and then pretty much from the first time I stepped onto the mat or went to a class, I was I was hooked um, and I realised that <clears throat> the physical aspect of yoga is one of, I guess, the eight limbs or yeah, eight limbs of yoga. So physical is one aspect, and that's pretty much the majority of what we do see on social media. What and are what the rest, we're about. rest of them? I'm gonna go through them. Go. All. Hit me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, so we have um, asana, which is physical practice, um, meditation. Um, we have shavasana. So these there are different names. So dharana, dharma. Um, we have your yamas and niyamas which are your um i guess internal and external values that you can live by we have what have we got uh what have we said 
Pressure's on. Is Drishti one? I've heard of that. Isn't that the breath? Uh, no, that is, uh, that is, that is, um, no, 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 yeah, just is your yeah. point of focus. Yeah. Okay. Um, breath is pranayama. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, breath work. So huge component. That's, um, yeah, massive component. Uh, what else have we said? Don't look at my yama. No, no, no. I'm looking I don't at, know. Yeah. Uh, yamas, niyamas. I think yama. that's seven. All right. How many are there? Eight. There's eight limbs. It's all right. I'm sure those playing at home can Google it <laughs> and see what they can find. Now it's going to annoy you. Can't remember if I've said seven or eight. Anyway, we physical, can always rewind. physical yeah. is one one component, but it's yeah. pretty much all, all that we all that we see. Um, and then basically, from when I stepped onto the mat, I was like, "Wow, there is so much more." There's this beautiful philosophy behind it, and it is a very ancient practice that essentially we've bastardized it in the West through, I think, social media in in a way. But if that didn't happen, we would probably never, I would never have accessed it. So I can't, you know, I've yeah. got to sort of balance that Take out. Take the good with the bad. But I absolutely loved that there is always more more to the practice. Um, and I, pretty much from the first few classes, I thought I would love to be teaching this and I want to know more about the philosophy, which I figured I can, I can look into that online, I can sort of, you know, read text, but at the end of the day, I want to have a teacher, I want to sit with a teacher and learn from them who, you know, they themselves have learned from another teacher and another teacher, it's all essentially been passed on. So I, um, yeah, basically looked at my teacher, Cara Gillespie, who was from Live Life Wild Studio, where I started practicing, and she was um, running a teacher training, and a few of the teachers at the studio approached me and said, I think you should do the teacher training. Awesome. And, um, yeah, I wanted to do it with someone I resonated with and I really had a good connection with Cara. So I, um, yeah, started the 10-week journey of teacher training and um, it was a big step for me because I think sort of family sort of thought, what are you doing? Are you going to be a yoga teacher now? Like, what? you're a paramedic though. What? Yeah. Why do you want to be a yoga teacher? Um and I think they were probably scared that I was going to stop vaccinating and stop shaving my legs and into this vegan cult and, you know. But I knew that it was something that I had a real connection to and figured that I could use this in the future not only for my own personal journey but to help connect with other shift workers. I wanted to bring it into and I still want to bring it into my work community. Um, so, yeah, I started from there and, yeah, each day I just love exploring more of that sort of philosophy behind it um, and then incorporating meditation, pranayama, so breath work, into every day basically. So for me that's pretty much how it all got started but there's so much more to, than just the physical practice which I'm bringing a little bit more and more into Virtus each time as you said we're getting if, there if that was if there. that was what you thought was spiritual then you ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> um but yeah it's it's really cool what's what's the what's been the biggest surprise about teaching that you didn't expect teaching um that no two just like no two classes that you practice are the same no two classes you teach are the same um I'm surprised that how I can walk off the mat and think, oh, that was a horrendous class. I feel like I, you know, feel like the students were just looking at me utterly confused the whole time and I thought, I, you know, felt terrible after some classes that I've taught and one class I actually halfway through wanted to walk out because I thought I don't have this, I don't know where I'm going and I was a bit blank, um, got through it. But then at the end of the class I had, several students come up and say I that was yeah. my favorite class I mm-hmm. loved that 
and you, you just never know how someone else is going to feel at the end of your class and that's a, a beautiful thing um, but it's a very humbling humbling experience to teach yeah um, I always I think when I was practicing it's very easy as we do in everyday life it's very easy to judge someone and judge a teacher and go what, what are they doing why why can't they pronounce this why are they telling <laughs> me to turn left instead of right and then you get up there and you're like oh my goodness I, this, this is, this, so, this is yeah. so you know but I think as a teacher you are still forever a student and that's what I love about it um it doesn't surprise me but it's something that I love love about it awesome Georgie do you want to get into teaching at some point or are you happy being a student forever lots of people ask me that the question is like oh so when are you going to become a teacher or why aren't you a teacher it's just expected (laughs) yeah um so I go through phases where sometimes I'm like yeah yeah I want to be a teacher and then I go through phases where I'm like no I just want to be a really good student um but at the moment like I'm a, I'm a nurse and I've only been nursing for one and a half years um, and eventually I'm going to become a paramedic in a few years as well. So I've got, I'm at a point in my my actual everyday career as a, as a registered nurse where I've got a lot of opportunities to progress in that and that is my job and that's my key focus. Um, so, yeah, I want, to, I want to do really well in that and I want to excel with that first and I feel like if I'm doing that, I don't have enough to be able to dedicate to yoga as well. Yeah. Quite now. Yeah. Quite now, right now. Um, but it was eventually... quite a higher, by the way. We <laughs> draw the senses. The, the <laughs> other thing that I forgot, <laughs> I was like, what have I missed? I knew it would have um, been. And then, yeah, Shavasana comes under Samadhi. But anyway, go on. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I think, I do think I, I actually have plans, maybe, putting it out into the universe, that so I think I'm going to go to India um, next year to On do people? some teacher training yeah um, awesome and then after that I will probably jump ship and be an ambo with Anna oh my maybe. god so, I yeah. can see are you <laughs> I'll be, I'll be can... the one stalking you <laughs> oh but um, yeah so I think I think because I, I'm at the point where I'm really interested in learning more about um, more than just the physical asana of, of yoga and I I'm really falling in love with all the other aspects, all, all the other limbs of yoga, um, and I want to, I want to learn more about that to benefit myself, but then so I can use it to benefit others. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Hmm. All right, we're gonna shift a little bit. Let's talk about work. <laughs> for both, this is a question for both of you, paramedics and nurses. What's what do you wish everyone, the general population, knew about your job? on you about what you do because like for me first of all thank you for being awesome and to for choosing a career that's purely based on helping other people uh, I think it takes a very special person to be a, a nurse a paramedic a fire a, a policeman and all of these different emergency services and health services um, yeah what do you wish the general population knew about what you do I wish um, that the general population realised what an emergency service is in the nicest possible way. But it's it's hard because when people do call triple zero, they feel like they're in a time of crisis and a lot of people genuinely feel like they've done the right thing, they've called emergency service. And that's fine because we we do educate people. But, you know, we go to people all the time that call us and quite knowingly sort of abuse the system and call us because, you know, they want a taxi ride. They yeah. feel that they are entitled to our service because they 
pay a membership or, or what have you. But then on the other hand, we go to people that, for example, a guy the other night who had dislocated his shoulder and was in so much pain and they'd driven themselves to a GP. Um, yeah further back like going in the opposite direction because they thought that was the right thing to do like oh we'll, we'll just didn't do this want to didn't want to bother yeah. us mm. and then you know it was in absolute agony this poor bugger and I'm like oh you, you could have just I mean you could have gone I to feel hospital, that on a but spiritual level I know I figured you'd feel that with your, with your shoulder injury I'm like you could have just called us um, but you've you know the people that should call often don't yeah, and it's the probably people a bit that, of a blurred line though isn't it like but then that's when, the thing we have health called, education yeah. behind us so we we know that so we do have a, a tool to educate people but there is a lot of abuse of emergency services and i guess healthcare in general like people can just go to the pharmacy or the gp um especially now at the moment i think our healthcare system is under complete strain so mm. i think a lot of the challenges within healthcare and emergency services could be, I guess, helped if people were using it for the right reasons, or you know, when when they should be. But again, yeah. it, it is. And a I guess of a lot of, lot of people would have the best intentions and they would do. think that they're doing it for the right re- or for the because it, they need exactly. it, but they might not. Exactly. I think it comes down to like health literacy and Absolutely. people understanding um, what options are available to them. Mm. And <clears> yeah, yeah, I think some people don't. No. We're not very well educated in in health. Yeah, and it's an interesting one. Like, I split my hand open on a big bit of glass, maybe a couple of, would have been late last year now. But I didn't want to go to hospital. I didn't want to call an ambulance. I called mum, like, can I just go to a GP and get them to stitch it up? She's like, go to the hospital. Mm. So I went to emergency and sat in emergency for a while. But, like, even someone, I guess, I'm within the health sphere to a point with being a performance coach and things like that, like, I wasn't sure. And I can mm. only imagine that. So there's, there'd be a lot of people that would have no idea mm-hmm. where the line is and where to draw the line. Mm. Um, but I assume things like gastro and stuff like that would be very frustrating to get people in. Yeah, yeah, it is because at the end of the day, we look at it from a point of view of what is the best outcome for the patient, what is the best outcome for, I guess, the hospital. But, I mean, first and foremost, the patient, but sort of looking at it as what is this going to achieve so I always sort of have to look at that um, and like you said you know gastro things like that it's hard because the hospitals are just so chockers yeah. um, mm. and you know you what you look in the waiting room like last night I was at Monash Hospital and the waiting room waits were 11 hours That's so that crazy. is 11 hours from when someone walks in and says they want to see a doctor um, many of those people don't need to be there could go to a chemist could go to their GP Yeah, and then we go in with someone and they're extremely unwell and we're waiting on stretcher with them for three hours because there are just no beds absolutely no beds in the hospital and it's it's really hard because at the end of the day there are people that yes still need to go 100 percent, but you know we are in a very very um lucky country and we still have these issues with our healthcare system so yeah it's, yeah, it's one mm. of those things how are you georgie Talk to me about nursing. What do you wish we knew? What do I wish we knew? I guess sort of bouncing off um, what Anna's said, but sort of in like the opposite direction is that um, how, like health and illness and even like pain and all that um, is unique to the individual. Mm. And so I might look at someone and say, you don't need to be in hospital. You're not that unwell. 
Um, but to them, this could be their crisis. You know, yeah. this is the worst they've ever experienced. They don't know what else to do. They might be health illiterate. Um, they might just not know. And, and to them, right now, that is their crisis. And that is, to them, what, you know, in, in, in their opinion, they need to be in hospital. Um, so, yeah, working through that can be really hard mm. as well is, you know... Um, everyone's got a different interpretation um and you know just because i might look at someone and say you know they don't look like they're in pain um really yeah pain is pain and you know things like that so yeah i know it can be really hard um with both of those ways but in terms of what i wish someone knew about nursing um uh speaking for myself i guess i would say that um we are always trying our best um and more often than not we are putting besides our own we're putting we're putting our own health and well-being aside yeah um and pouring ourselves out to help other people um and to help help you or your loved one so um oftentimes we're skipping our meals and we're skipping our toilet breaks and we're not sleeping enough and we're you know doing all those kind of things and putting our bodies on the line and our physical and mental well-being um to help you and sometimes it's still not good enough um or sometimes it's fantastic um but nonetheless i know that i always give 100 percent um to my job so yeah 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 i guess one like one of the things for me knowing like knowing you guys and having a lot of friends who are either nurses or paramedics or doctors and things like that um we like i realized that we we get the people who are going to look after us and then don't really look after them very well. Like, mm. from a, like from the uni as a start, like we smash all of our like doctors and medical students and stuff like that at uni and I've just, one of my best mates is just finishing up now and you see like how much, I guess, pressure and things like that he's been under the last couple of years and I, and it's, I think it's necessary to a point. Mm. But to get through that, you kind of stop looking after yourself mm. and I think it's... Like I'm sure you guys see it all the time with your colleagues and yeah. and the people you work with and around not looking after themselves. It must be really frustrating. That yeah. Well, there's that quote that says you can't pour from an empty cup, and so yeah, if we're not looking after ourselves, yeah, we can't. empty, If we can't, yeah, if we're not functioning at our best, then how can we expect to give our best? And that's one of the reasons why I love my yoga and my exercise as well because yeah. that's what helps keep my chakras in line and but I don't like the term work-life balance because I think if you if you truly love what you do your work is part of your life and you don't exactly. necessarily need to have a mm. nine to five or like work time and then play time like mm. you actually enjoy both sides of it but apart from yoga what are the things you guys do to manage that work-life balance um, for me meditation is becoming more and more of an important practice um that i'm still like you know still learning still i don't, don't do it all the time yeah um but yeah i think that's been a big discovery and learning about the mind um the power of the mind and just um what's the word mindfulness and yeah mm. working on that has been a big thing to help me um yeah but also for me I don't like the word balance. That's a big mm. that's a big thing for me. And I, I get a lot of people messaging me on my social media saying like, Oh, how do you how do you always seem to balance nursing and, and everything and life and food and yeah. exercise and my answer always is I don't and my life is not mm. about balance. For me, um 
I choose to live a prioritised life rather than a balanced life. And so sometimes um, my priority is sleeping um, because I haven't, you know, I've worked hard and I haven't had enough sleep or sometimes my priority is exercise or sometimes my priority is doing my washing or, you know, preparing my food or, you know, and so sometimes I might spend, you know, all my day working and buying groceries and that's all I've done. In the balanced world, that is completely off balance and, you know, it'd be meltdown. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm so fat now. I haven't worked <laughs> out today. Um, but for me, yeah, it's all about priorities and sort of zooming out of life and taking a sort of more bird's eye view rather than focusing on, like, this week I need to balance, you know, you know, cut into four and four yeah. perfect quarters. Um, but that allows yeah. you to be present and in what yeah. you're doing and allows you to yeah, get the out. most out of what you're doing. I like yeah. that. I really like that. Yeah, so prioritise life. And I always use this nursing analogy, and I've, I've written about it before, is that um, I've got four patients and I have an eight-hour shift. So if I wanted to live a balanced life, I would dedicate two hours, two, four, six, eight, That's to each good. patient. I've spent two hours on my first patient, move on to the next. So say I've moved on to my next one, the first patient, I've already spent the two hours, but all of a sudden they've got chest pain. I'm not going to turn around and say, sorry, I'm balancing here. (laughs) You've already had your time. I'm not going to help you anymore. Like I'm moving on. I've got to be balanced. No, it's all about priorities. And so, you know, then my focus, my focus is constantly reshuffling. When I'm at work, I'm always analyzing, reanalyzing what's my top priority, what needs to be achieved and how can I best do that? Um, and I use that same mentality at work uh, in, mm. in life as well as what's what's most important today. How can and I achieve do the best? Best and, you can at yeah. that one thing, and then mm. whatever something else will come up. Yeah, I like that. Always reshuffling. It's really cool. Mm. Yeah, Anna, same. Just oh, same. Same, same, same. She <laughs> took it out of my mouth. Sorry, I talk I, a lot. Did I teach? Did I teach that? <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I for me, yoga is a big part of when I'm not at work. Um, and if I need to have some sort of release, if I'm, you know, feeling stressed, if I'm trying to, you know, get out of that sort of all right, work head. But um, for me, sort of getting in the kitchen, cooking, um, reading Harry Potter, <laughs> little little things like that. I have a really, really great group of friends, um, work, work colleagues, for example, that pretty much every week we'll we'll have a coffee catch up yeah um normally with dogs as well coffee, <laughs> coffee and dog catch up um shout out to evie and i shout out to evie paws um i look forward to that every week um you know we talk a little bit about work we talk a little bit about other stuff um but that's you know a big a big thing for me I, when i you know can just go and sit in a cafe and just sit down, have a coffee, be that weirdo who might not be on the phone and just <laughs> sitting there and, you know, having that sort of mindfulness checking in with myself and going, all right, I'm not at work, um, I'm not at yoga, I'm not at home, I'm just here with me and being present and going, all right, how am I feeling, you know. Um, and then, yeah, just spending time with family and loved ones and Ryan and awesome. just, yeah. Mm, I think me time is really important mm. and like true me time mm. without your phone and without mm. yeah. any of those distractions. I think that's, yeah, that's a really key one. And mm. and being able to be comfortable being alone and doing things just for yourself and by yourself and really checking in with you is like a really that. important thing. Yeah. I find it very hard as, and I, yeah, I find it very hard to take time for meditation funnily enough. And mm. I don't know if you're the same Georgie, but yeah. if I have, things to do in my day and I'm like oh, I know I need to sit 15 10 20 minutes and yeah. just sit meditate and I'll go oh 
nah, but I'm, I'm running short of time, so I'll just do this instead. I'll cut that out. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, I've now just spent half an hour on my phone <laughs> and that has had absolutely no benefit to me whatsoever. Um, and so when I go on sort of teacher trainings, yoga retreats, and there's a high, like really heavy meditation focus sort of twice daily, I come back from those and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling incredible. And then life gets in the way from the day I get back. Yeah. And it's my own fault because I'm not prioritizing. So I can't I can't blame it on, you know, my day-to-day life. But I go, oh, I feel so much better when I'm prioritizing that time. And I, yeah, I, I don't do it as often as I should. But every time I do it, whether it is just five or ten minutes, that's a, a huge deal for me. So I try to um, at least ensure at least 10 minutes every day whether I'm actually sitting and meditating properly where I'm you know completely completely zoned out or whether I'm just sitting without any other stimulus Mm. um, and just taking that time to just be completely present Mm. good this is one of the questions that everyone I've spoken to and asked hey do you have any questions for Georgie and Anna it's been around how do you guys deal with all the stuff that you see and I guess it's a, it's a maybe a perception that you see a lot of horrible things, and I'm sure you see a lot of really nice things and um, really good things as well. But how do you deal with I guess the horrible things that happen, and how do you best cope with it? What are the things you do to? And it, it could be the same answer, but what are the things you do to not dwell on it? And mm. yeah, I think for me, um, you have to depersonalize situations. The moment I start to relate a job or a case to something within my family life or my personal life I draw connections to it and I sort of get into this mindset of oh if, if that was me how would I feel and that's how when when jobs affect me so I try not to do that um, you never know each day what job you're going to go to that might be a trigger for you yeah. and so for me it could be just going to you know an 85 year old who's passed away at home and you know, for some people, that's just, you know, normal progression of life and death. Um, but, you know, that's a 65-year marriage that's now just ended. And that, for me, I'll relate that to my nanny and grandpa, Omar and Opa, and I'll, you know, it'll get me in the feels and I'll feel, feel a bit crap. As opposed to, I, on the same day, could have gone to, say, a 30-year-old for whatever reason who's, who's died and have absolutely no connection to that because it's not something that I necessarily can personalize and draw any connections to so I think for me it's being aware and having that self-awareness of I guess on the way to a job and after a job going all right how am I feeling am I dwelling on anything what's not sitting right and for what reasons is it just because that's normal or is it because there's something that oh okay that didn't go well or you know so I think making sure that after each job I sort of check in with how I'm feeling, how my partner's feeling, um, because you just never know on the day what what might affect you. But I feel like we, from the start, and I you know, was lucky that on my first few shifts and days as placement, I never saw anything completely horrific that made me go, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. I think yeah. you get almost gradual exposure most of the time there are people that unfortunately see horrific things on day one and that that's the straw for them and they they can't do it and that's fair enough that could be the same for any one of us but for the majority I think you get this gradual exposure to what reality is and so for us I think we have this very real perception of what happens in life and that life and death is normal and 
it's sort of, you know, you never get used to it, but we're just more aware than the general public of, yeah. of that these things happen. Like, yeah. they happen. There's mm-hmm. no rhyme or reason. Um, so not, you know, dwelling on that and never, you know, blaming yourself or thinking, what, what could I do? Um, but it's very, very hard to do. Yeah. And I think, like Anna, you probably got um, more of a challenge in with that regard than than me because as a paramedic you're often like first on the scene and you're you're the people that they call when people don't know what to do and when shit goes mm. wrong um and so there's massive pressure and expectation on you I guess mm. um so yeah the way that you guys deal with it was probably a little bit different because once the people have arrived to hospital and it's it's yeah it's a little bit different with us but mm. um how do I go with, with dealing with with what we see um I just remember, like, whenever I'm nursing, one of the main things for me is I... I don't know if it sounds selfish, but I, it always makes me thankful for my own health and my own well-being. Yeah. Um, and it really makes me stop and consider, you know, I'll, I'll be looking after, you know, a 50-year-old who's in renal failure and a 85-year-old who's in renal failure, and they're both at the same stage. And, you know, in that way, it doesn't discriminate. Um, you know, no matter where you are in your life, you know, you can be hit with terrible illness but you can also be thriving and it makes me really happy that that I've got my health and well-being that I can walk out of hospital and, and run and jump and you know and yeah. be happy and healthy um probably gives so, you yeah. perspective more than anything yeah definitely and, and it kind of mm. go like shows you that well things are pretty good and like Anna mm. said before we live in a pretty lucky time and place mm. and and things like that so we are for lack of a better term, lucky most of the time. But yeah, yeah, when those bad things do happen, it probably allows you to just in, enjoy that your health and your friends and family's health and yeah. all the good things that are around. Yeah, and I take a lot of pride in knowing that I've been able to contribute to that person's journey through mm. their their health um, for whatever reason. You know, whether you you've been stroking their their hair as they're passing away, or whether you've been the one that's provided cup of tea to the family or mm. you know I yeah it makes me really proud and it's really humbling to know that um that we're there and we're able to provide that care to people in their greatest time of need and yeah mm. I find that really privileging privileging is that a word I don't know. it is now <laughs> yeah I find it a great privilege yeah. yeah to have to have a job like this I think some of the best moments as well in in the job for me are just sitting down and having a cup of tea with someone at home, you know, you, we've gone for whatever reason, we don't need to go to hospital or we fixed them or whatever and you'll sit down and they'll be telling you these amazing stories and you're sitting there and it, they're the moments where you go, this is a, a really cool job and I yeah. get them pretty much on every shift. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in a very, very unique, I guess as paramedics, a very unique situation that I can't compare it to any other job in the world where we go into people's homes we see I guess a little bit more than what I guess nurses or doctors see and we have to try and portray that when we get to hospital and sometimes you just absolutely (laughs) cannot but we see the absolute innermost aspect of these people's lives and homes and families Mm. um, at their worst and at their best and I think that's a pretty unique position to be in Um, and for me like yeah like Georgie was saying whether you're just sitting there holding someone's hand or whether you're you know, doing CPR and trying to, you know... What's that whole spectrum? There's so many different ways you can help. Exactly. Mm. Um, But for me, I always just try to remember, and I think it 
is one of my strengths in the job and I hope that I never get jaded to the point where I lose it. Um, and people will say to me, how are you just so nice to them? You know, yeah. it's just on the inside I might be absolutely fuming. But at the end of the day, and we spoke about it before, people, a lot of people don't have that education and you just you get nowhere generally from yeah. being an asshole. Um, and there are times, don't get me wrong, where I'll, I'll flip and it's I find it's warranted. I'm not going to be a doormat, but um, I find it so much easier to just put that smile on and be like, okay, yeah, no worries. <laughs> and at the end of the day, people will turn around and go, oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think as well, just on back to the tough things, one of the hardest things for me is we often don't get closure. Um, we'll go to very unwell patients or patients that might not be that unwell but we've sort of gone oh, I think it's this I'll treat them as this yeah. and we take them to hospital and then we don't ever hear again so you don't get a problem like a, this is what happened no, no unless you sort of know someone in the hospital or for whatever reason they're still in there in a few hours if you go back and you can find out but you know you really sick patients that you might take in and then they may go to ICU or surgery or whatever um, often we, we don't find out and I find that that can be a really difficult thing yeah. um, even if it's just closure that okay yep they did pass away and we probably assume that that was going to happen or oh yeah. they survived yeah. um, I think that's a, a huge a huge thing that I, I know a lot of paramedics struggle with and yeah. it's something that uh, I know there are some things that might be changing or I don't know if I'm talking shit or not, but I swear I heard something where we might be able to access that okay. information in a... It's still a confidential way, mm. yep. you know, you're not... What about, the like, the other way? If, if mm. patients who you've helped significantly mm. want to seek you guys out, like, it's probably a little bit different for you being that person not there, like, there for a long period of time, but mm. for you, Anna, like, can patients who have been helped by you contact you and I guess it's it's a tough one yeah they so what often will happen is um they'll just send an email or a letter into like ambulance victoria and say oh this crew that came um and then we'll get like a letter in the mail so that's always really nice to to get those yeah. um and I've had them from patients that I <laughs> normally write complaints about people <laughs> and you know patients that I've turned and said look I'm sorry I'm, I'm you don't need an ambulance we're not going to take you to hospital, but I've treated them with dignity and respect and they've written a letter and said, look, I've really appreciated the services. And Or um, one really, really sick kitty that we did with meningococcal and he was so unwell, we thought there's no way he's going to survive and it was yeah. a really, you know, crappy That'd job tough, and yeah. at the end of the day I felt awful and for a while afterwards and I just assumed, yeah, he, he's not going to survive and we didn't sort of get any follow-up. We couldn't sort of find out because um, he'd gone off to the children's, I didn't have any contacts. So I think maybe two months later I got a letter in the mail from the mum saying, um, you know, thank you so much, he's recovered, he's out of hospital, he awesome. spent, you know, however many days. And it's like I that's closure. Yeah. And that I wish I had that from, you know, early on because it's one of those things that I went, I assume that's going to be a bad outcome. So, yeah, people can, um, we do often get, nice little letters and cool. I've had people drop yo-yos at the branch door and things like that which is always nice I assume you mean the uh, biscuit 
Yeah, the biscuit. Just um, the toy would be the toy would be cool. Give something to play with on night um, shift. Or both. And on the flip side, we are, we can get complaints in the mail as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there is a way that people do it. And you win some, you lose some. It's it's one of those things where you'll you'll often get them from people, and you'll go, I have no idea. Like I have no recollection of that job. It's not one of the ones that stood out where I feel like I went above and beyond. It's just one of those normal ones where, yeah, we turned up. We you know. And then there's jobs where you think, oh, gosh, I absolutely did so much for this patient. Yeah. And then you, you, don't, you, you never that, expect yeah. anything. Like, you never expect anything. But they're the ones that if someone's going to write in, you'd go, oh, yeah, it's probably going to be them. And then something comes in the mail and you're like, I have, <laughs> what? I, yeah. I swear I was a bitch to this person. Why Why are they doing this? Yeah. So. Georgie, like, you're in, being in the hospital, you're kind of in part of the machine like for lack of a better term like you're part you're one of the cogs that keeps it all ticking over Anna you're probably a little bit separate from it because you're kind of the taxi that takes people to the hospital word <laughs> I'm just a what's, what's the hardest thing about being part of that big organisation and, and kind of big organism in terms of patient care and yeah in terms of getting like the whole point of it is to get the best outcome for the patient yeah what's the hardest part um well, the, the hardest part from my experience um, on like some of the thing like some of the cases that I've had lately is um, you can't always achieve what the patient wants or what the family wants yeah um, and a lot of the time that's just because of the stage of their illness or um, you know just the way that their health and well-being is is that um, yeah you can't always a lot of people think that because they're in hospital, they're going to get fixed and they're going to go home. Mm. Um, but with a lot of the yeah. patients that I deal with, sometimes they come in and we, and we know as nurses that they'll never get out and yeah. that they are actively dying in front of us and the family's saying, no, treat, 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 fix them, fix them, fix them. Just like We're going to take them home. Yeah. And one of the things that I've really struggled with is nursing patients and advocating for them and helping them day after day when they are, they're actively dying in front of us and they're getting worse every hour, every day. Um, and you see the family coming in saying, why aren't they better? You know, why is this happening? Why yeah. can't you fix them? And you're trying to explain it. And I'm always very honest and I'm, I never, like, I never build things up and I never say, oh, you know, you know, they're great, they're great. I, I'm very Just honest and realistic because yeah. I think it would be horrible to tell a family member or the patient that they're fine when they're not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I find that really hard um, and especially sort of prolonging life or making, for lack of a better word, making them suffer a little bit longer because that's what the family wants. They're not ready to say goodbye or, the you know, a lot of the time the patient is ready. Yeah. Um, they're, and I've had patients say to me, like, please let me die. Like, yeah, I've had enough. It's my time. It's like, pretty intense. Um, and so, and then there's us going... I'm just going to give you this antibiotic, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and the family's going, yep, 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 fix them, fix them, fix them. And, yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful moment when they do finally realise and, you know, the patient is ready and the family is ready and they make those choices to choose, like, comfort care or yeah. to with, withdraw some some treatment and, and aggressive treatment. Um, that, yeah, so so finding that balance is one thing that I find really hard. Yeah. Is, um, yeah, mm. a lot of the time... With our knowledge and our experience, we know and we can see the pathway that the patient's taking. Yeah. Um, but the family's got to go through that. Yeah. Those stages of grief, I guess. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes people aren't ready for it and 
and you know for us as a nurse you know we're we're not always as emotionally invested in we are I I, yeah I'm like we become invested in our patients but we don't have a whole 85 years of knowing our nonna to mourn before we're ready to let go you know we've known them for you know a week or a month and you know of course we do become involved and we you can become caught up in in looking after the patients so figuring out how to draw that line is really important but yeah I find that's one of the things that I found really hard yeah it's a tough one like thinking back to when Pa was in hospital and was passing away I guess it's for those like first like four or five days like yep he'll get better he'll be out and then you kind of like for me it wasn't it was kind of like a little light light bulb moment for like a better term it was just like like this is it and it was yeah it took me probably longer to realize that like I'm sure the nurses probably knew well before but you kind of have to let let the family go through that process yeah definitely to a point and mm. it's yeah it's hard because it's, it it's a tough yeah in our in our culture like we don't deal with grief and death very well um no you know it's, it's interesting reading and watching things about other parts of the world and how they deal with yeah, death it's completely different yeah, yeah. but um, yeah and yeah I always just find that hard with sometimes yeah what, what what's best for the patient is not always um what you're doing for them sometimes yeah um yeah. and sometimes and when that's make the, the family's call. choice to make to make those decisions when you're looking at the family saying what treatment do you want for them and you know yeah. what what pathway are you looking for and when they're saying oh last time this happened they went home last time they got better yeah. and you say this is very different this time yeah. yeah, so just, yeah, working through that with them. But yeah. as I said before as well, it's a great privilege to be able to work through those times with, with the family and the patient. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's try and build the mood up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. talk about death and dying oh, yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your best story from being a nurse and paramedic? And I say best because I was going to ask funniest or craziest oh. or something like that but I'm going to let you guys know yes. ambiguous question what's the best craziest. story or give me a couple of stories mm. Mm. is it appropriate to talk about the time the patient <laughs> masturbated with their shower head in front of me or look no? sure why not maybe maybe we'll skip that one for a different <laughs> one what's well, been mentioned there's probably pictures already in everyone's pictures, heads yeah pictures like, in, just, just let that remain in your head lucky this is an audio podcast not a visual podcast I guess <laughs> Uh, we don't need to, yeah, we don't need to give any visual. No, I am, um, uh, best story. And it's a tough one because obviously there's a lot of things happen mm. daily and yeah. every shift, but. Yeah. Oh, actually my favorite story Favorite is, story, that could have been a good question. Favorite story. So this was around Christmas last year. I was working with a good friend, Emma Windsor at Chelsea. And it was when we had that sort of heat wave, 40 degree heat and it was around New Year's, I think, and we got called to a job like near Chelsea Beach, and we work at Chelsea, so we're right near the beach. So we got called to a job near there at a house on the beach, and the patient didn't need to go to hospital. Yeah. So we, um, no worries, we thought, oh, let's do our paperwork down on the beach. The sun was setting, so we take our Vacus computer and sit down on the beach, and we're sitting at the Chelsea Pier, sun setting, it's lovely, and this group of, I think, three... Asian ladies came up to us and were super excited to just see us and asked us, oh, can we, oh, can you take a photo for us? I'm like, oh, sure. said, oh, Emma, I'll just take a photo of them. And I thought that was going to be it. And then they're like, oh, can we take a photo with you? I'm like, okay, sure, no worries. And like very big sort of language barrier there as well. And then they said, oh, it's my mum's birthday. Um, Come and have some birthday cake with us. (laughs) And we're like, 
mm. oh, no, 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 it's okay. And they're like, no, 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 we insist, and basically dragged us over to their picnic rug. So this was probably 5 or 6 p.m. or 8 p.m., I don't know. And they'd been at the beach all day, as we evidently found out. And so they drag us over to their picnic rug and like, oh, birthday cake, birthday cake. And it's like, oh, okay, lovely. And so we sat down and Emma and I are sort of smiling at each other and then they get out these plates, not paper plates, like actual, you know, <laughs> glass ceramic plates and open up this cake and it's like a ice cream sponge cake. And um, I don't eat dairy. <laughs> and um, they've dished it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 thank you. No, we insist. And then they've dished up a piece, just a small piece, piece. Oh, no, no, no. Here's a big one. So they dished us both up this huge piece of this cake. And they were like, no, you must eat it. And we're like, no, no, no. And we couldn't smell it at the time. Like, it yeah. smelled okay and looked okay. Oh, and no. it was getting dark. <laughs> and so I just put a bit of, I didn't want to eat the cream. So I just like, they're watching our reactions. So I like, oh, we sang happy birthday with them too, <laughs> by the way. And then I put the sponge in my mouth to try not to eat the cream. And I was just like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> And then Emma starts hoeing into it. She's like, oh, this isn't bad. And then we're sitting there going, far out, please give us a job. Like, can the ambulance lords give us a job? We're going to die of food poisoning. <laughs> and then surely enough, the cell call goes off. We're like, oh, we've got to go. I'm so sorry. Here's the cake. They're like, no, 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 take it. I'm like, no, 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 your plates. Like, take the plates. So we took these people's glass or ceramic plates with our, <laughs> with our cake. And then we, like, run into the ambulance and we're like, oh, my God. And then we get into the ambulance and we're like, oh, that, that cake stinks. And it was off because they'd been at the beach all day in 40-degree uh, heat. Yeah, and Emma's cream, like, yeah. I ate all that cream. So we put it in a, <laughs> we put the plates and the cakes in a biohazard bag. And drove to our next job, and the truck just stank like off cake. Oh. And Emma's laughing because she's like, "Oh, the vegan girl had to eat the, the cream and the sponge." And yum, yeah, yeah good story. You know, funniest for mm. me. Mm. Georgie, oh, that's tough. I've got like we've got we have lots of funny stories about just weird stuff that yeah. patients do. Um, yeah, poo jokes are always funny. Um, not even jokes, Correct. but poo stuff is always funny. Yeah. Um, if we want to go down that line or <laughs> what else? Um, one of my best ones, I guess, is I, this is back to our, like, death and dying, but not really. Um, but I helped nurse a man who um, had tried to commit suicide um, and was unsuccessful and um, sort of got to follow him through his journey of recovering and watching him from... Um, He's obviously been in that stage where he wanted to take his own life and he was with us for months and months and months and I got to be the one that helped him out the door at the end and go yeah, home. that's awesome. Um, that was a really cool journey. Um, and it was quite an elderly man as well, so it was beautiful seeing him and his wife and all of that was... It was that was a really nice that's story. Really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, one of our one of our poo jokes... Oh, it was not even a joke, but one of, our, <laughs> one of my poo stories, I just... I thought it was hilarious. But we had... I had a... Um, we work with a lot of elderly confused patients in hospital and I once looked after this man who was very confused for whatever reason um we're still trying to figure out why he was so confused um and one time the nurse it wasn't me but one of my colleagues walked into the bathroom and found him in the bathroom and we've got bins in the bathroom with plastic bag in them so you put all your rubbish in and he had emptied the bin taken all the stuff out taken off all of his clothes got the plastic bag from the bin and put his feet through it so he's popped holes in it and pulled it up like a nappy and did a huge poo. 
in the plastic bag and was just holding it. Good from him. Yeah. And um, so it's your job, really. I don't know. Yeah, it was quite tidy. But um, the plastic bag was clear and see-through. So, so. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, and you the just, perks of the job. It's things like that. We just walk in. You think, how do I explain this to anyone else as well? How do what, I? What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's things like that. We just wouldn't. You wouldn't read about it. You know, mm. it's yeah. But but that's just like a that's the stuff normal you just for like for like a better term a normal occurrence or like mm. crazy things like that. Regular occurrence. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's the kind of stuff where you just think, like, people are like, oh, gross, like, how do you deal with that? But, yeah, I mm. mean, you get over that kind of stuff yeah. and it's, I mean, everyone laughs at poo. It's funny. This is very true. Yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> Last question about work. How do you how do you guys mitigate the effects of shift work? And, and yeah. like, for me, routine, I use that term lightly, is important. Mm. And for all of our clients we talk to in here about sorting things out, routine's a big thing. Mm. Yeah, how do you how do you mitigate that that shift work, especially on things like your circadian rhythm and cortisol and and all these kind of things? Mm. I think you need to put yourself first um, fill and the fill the bucket. And for me, yeah, routine I find to be important, but it's really hard to achieve that with shift work. Um, my roster at the moment's horrendous and I'm fine. I can't get any routine. I can't get any sort of good sleep pattern. Um, but normally I manage it pretty well. We do like a 10, 14 roster. So two 10 hour day shifts, two 14 hour night shifts. And ideally at the start of the week before my first day shift, I'll be able to prep my food. So prep my lunches, my dinners, or, you know, at least have a clear idea about when I get home, what am I going to do? In an ideal week, I'll be able to go to work, maybe after my day shifts, go to a yoga class. And then um, then before my first night shift, ideally I'll sleep till about midday. My worst part of the job is that I can't take naps. Like I can't nap in the afternoon. I need to, if I'm preparing for a night shift, I need yeah. to sleep in for as long as I can and then have my day. Yeah. So ideally before night shifts, what puts me in the best state of mind and mood for night shift is get up, go have a coffee or go have some food normally at a cafe or just at home and then I will come back home and then for about, whether it's just 15 minutes, whether it's an hour, ideally meditation and a yoga So it's putting practice, those little, little those bits of routine in the in, chaos. In the chaos. So I try to fit them in and when... There's, when life doesn't get in the way, that that's pretty much my, my routine is to, you know, after a day shift, at one or both of them, I'll try and do a class, whether it's yoga, Pilates or teach. Um, and then, yeah, before my night shifts, if I can get in just some form of movement, whether it's just doing a few sun salutations, a few rounds of cat-cow, mobbing on the floor, doing some pretzels. Good. Um, and just taking that time. And I do make sure whether it's doing a proper seated med for, say, 20 minutes I will just sit there. As soon as I sit there, cross my legs on the mat, hands to chest, hands to knees, whatever, close my eyes, I'm, I'm there, I'm grounded within the four corners of my mat and I can have that time, even if it's just checking in for a few minutes. Um, that for me is huge to mitigate sort of just how I go into my shifts. But, yeah, just ensuring I try to eat well, lots of water. Yeah, try and tick all the boxes in tick terms all of the food, boxes, nutrition, hydration, you know, things like that. I find it hard to... Um, 
you know, I often find like the family gets a bit neglected sometimes. Like there'll be weeks where, yeah. you know, I haven't haven't seen mum and dad, haven't, you know, gotten down to the country or haven't had time to get them up and visit. And I, I, I feel really guilty by that. But at the end of the day, I also have to go, no, like it's been a horrendous week. I need, I need sleep. I need, you know, I need to go and sit in a cafe with friends or I yeah. need to, you know... It might be doing five yoga classes a week, but that's that's what that's I need. That's what you need, yeah. So I think it's really important to remember what what do you need versus what do other people need of you. Um, yeah. So that's a big one for me. Yeah, well, back to that filling your bucket up with water analogy. If you can't yeah. do those things first, then you can't see friends and see family. Exactly. And if you need to neglect them for a short period of time while you're recharging and regenerating, that's fine. The crystals. Yeah, yeah. No, crystals and stuff, chakras and yeah, yeah, good. chanting and whatnot. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I thought yoga was just a bunch of chanting before I started, and <laughs> I actually love love that aspect of it. So don't, don't, don't mock the chanting. Really, how do you deal with the shift work and and I guess keeping being able to give to other people, but being able to give give to yourself as well. Mm. Um, it, for me, it always comes back to what I was talking about before, and that's priorities. Yeah. Um, getting rid of the balance. Um, yeah, getting rid of the idea of trying to find the perfect balance because I honestly don't think Won't it exists. Good. Um, and with regards to balance, you know, like who defines balance and what is balance to me is different to what's balanced to someone else. And I just think it's unattainable. So priorities and, and making sure that... Um, most of the time, I'm my top priority. Awesome. Yeah. I've got a bunch of questions for you guys. They can be short answers. They can be medium answers. Let's not go with long answers. Okay. So I want you to think the first thing that comes into your head, that's what I want your answer to be. All right? First thing, what are you grateful for? Everything in my life. I'm very content right now, so I'm grateful for every aspect. I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say life. Mm. Good. Living. Awesome. What is success to you? Happiness. Success to me would be um, realising your true purpose, for lack of, you know, without sounding too, like, woo-woo, but realising and accepting your true purpose and living it um, passionately and wholeheartedly and unapologetically and just Mm -hmm. being you. Awesome. Yeah. If you could give teenage you one piece of advice, what would it be? Stop caring what other people think. (laughs) Yeah, mine would be that just because you feel like you don't fit in with what people around you are doing doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong. Mm. Awesome. Really like that. What's the nicest thing you've ever done for someone? Become a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Sat down for a podcast with you. <laughs> I, yeah, don't, no, I don't know. That's a tough question. I think we That's do, like, in our yeah. profession, we do nice stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. And, and, but know. you know what? It's probably not always not out of obligation as well. Like, when we're yeah. being treated like shit and you're still nice to them, that's probably yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's been a contentious question, so it's one that I've kept in there for, I think, pretty much every podcast. It's, it's hard every to podcast. compliment yourself as well. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say, yeah, I was great person that you day need, I did this for someone I think you need to be your, like yeah. your own hero and biggest fan sometimes yeah. I think that's really important mm-hmm. yeah and I think if we sat back down and looked at all those things you could na- list all these things that you've, you've done for people you know in the last week or, and 
yeah. you know, but we mm-hmm. just, yeah, we don't think about those things, I don't think. And doing it without expecting something in return is probably one of the nicest things mm-hmm. you can Definitely. do, I reckon. Yeah, awesome. Have you ever tried to burn a house down? <laughs> no. No? I haven't. Good. Have you, Anna? Anna? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 60 seconds. Tell us the story. Uh, I <laughs> burnt my house down. No, my dishwasher caught fire. Um, that's pretty much the story. I was cooking all day in the kitchen, put a load of dishes on, went out. Got a call, your house is on fire. <laughs> yes. The dog is fine, your house is on fire. And I yeah. uh, was homeless, living out of a car for two months. But you bought a house. I you? bought a house. Hey. Ten minutes from Vettis. Yeah, that's a win. That's a win. For I you. Didn't do that on purpose at all. <laughs> good, very good. Both of you, what was the last book you read and what did you learn from it? Um, the last book I've finished yeah. um, is Finding Ultra by Rich Roll. And what did I learn from it is that um, no matter what stage of your life you're at um, and whether you're at your highest or your lowest, um, you can always make the choice to do a complete flip and change direction um, and that you should not be afraid to do that. Awesome. Mm. Um, Harry Potter and (laughs) the... Didn't expect that at all. Half-Blood Prince. um, Oh, Draco Malfoy is a very, very damaged damaged character and I, I feel for him I feel for him um, yeah that was the last book I finished <laughs> who are your biggest influences oh who are my biggest influences um this, this might sound really weird for me but I guess it's like my past self is like a huge influence for me yeah. um I'm looking at like where I've come from and you know all that kind of stuff um because that's played a huge role in my health journey um yeah that's a huge influence on like what I do where I am today and and what I'm doing and I don't know I don't I don't have like anyone that I worship or anything Pete Evans Gwyneth Paltrow no 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 no. I now can't air this podcast because (laughs) those names were mentioned (laughs) shit (laughs) talk about kooks but anyway Agreed. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, Anna? Um, so one would be that outdoor ed teacher I had, Mike Schoen, back in year 12. Um, awesome. Yeah, always look back when I think, oh, no, I can't do this. I go, no, like he's, you know, a big one for me. And mum and dad, they're just the happiest people and they're just... because they're legends. They're legends. Legends. They're, um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have, you know, good supportive parents that... Allowed me to just be content with what I have and not awesome. ever want anything more. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great question. Which? A great question. A great man. It's not that's not on there, so don't try and read my, read mm. my page. <laughs> <laughs> In quiet times of reflection, where do you draw your inspiration? In quiet times of reflection... Where do you draw your inspiration? For me, it is all of the people that I have met along my sort of yoga teachings and um, retreats that I've done. So I've had a number of, I guess, teachers that I've sat with and I have little gems from all of them. So for me, I find, you know, from a lot of them. Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from like nature and being outside and 
yeah, kind of stripping things back and being out in the elements. Um, and then, yeah, also from, from people that I've come across, like yoga teachers or experts in the field and hospital and all that. And, yeah, they're words of wisdom. And Very cool. Mm-hmm. If you could be remembered in one sentence, what would it be? I'm not Asian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I didn't start the fire. <laughs> Good. I like those. <laughs> All right, a couple of favourites to finish off. Favourite quote? Oh, okay. My favourite quote um, for a long time has been, there is beauty in everything, just not everybody can see it. Oh. People will not always remember... What you did, did, but they'll they'll remember how you made it. Yeah, FYI, I'm post-night shift, so the (laughs) fact that I've even gotten two words together, that one for me is a big one and I always think about that. Mm. Awesome. Favourite movie? I don't know. Oh, my God, I'm not a movie person. Uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I thought you would have said Harry Potter. (laughs) Book. Book Uh, person, mate. Book person. Don't (laughs) insult me. Favourite recording artist? Or Lin-Manuel Miranda. Don't know who that is. He's the guy who wrote Hamilton, ah, the musical, which I'm harping us. on. <laughs> yeah. Hamilton. He's um, not a recording artist, but he's the... I really like Angus and Julia Stone and Bon Iver. Good. Yeah. Very good. Moby. Moby, yes. Moby. I'm on Moby at the moment. Favourite resource for new information? And it can be to do with work, anything. Um, if you want to learn something, where do you go? People around me. Good. First and foremost. And... I really like YouTube. Good. Learning. Um, I don't know. No. Cool. Yeah, I can't, I can't give you Radio that. I don't, I don't seek new information. <laughs> I have all the answers yeah. uh, in inside, so True. I just um, open another pocket of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> last, last question for the podcast. Favourite way to spend a day off? Eating. <laughs> Eating. Working. Yeah. Outdoor beach yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Filling your bucket. Filling my bucket yeah. with all the things we've spoken about pretty much. Awesome. Um, maybe a bit of Paz time's always nice. But bit of what? Oh, Paz. Ryan. Ah, Ryan gotcha, time. gotcha. Good. Awesome. That's it. Love your work, guys. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks and for having I, us. Yeah. If you, you got any more for any more? Anything else you'd like to say? Mm, no. And on that note, <laughs> see you later. Gotcha. Namaste. Oh, shit. <laughs> Knock it in. <laughs>